Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Verdict 2020 here on TalkSport, the show featuring stars brighter than Jurgen Klopp's teeth and opinions more divisive than Andy Goldstein's Alice Band. I'm Natalie Sawyer, co-host of The Weekend Sports Breakfast, and throughout this show, many of the most famous voices from TalkSport are going to take you through the best moments in sport from 2020. And where better to start than with the kings of drive-time radio? I'm talking Adrian Durham and Darren Goff. Goffy, it's a happy, festive time after a difficult year, isn't it? It's been a very difficult year, but you know, so as far as our broadcasting careers go, I've been pretty pleased with it. Um, <laughs> it's been testing times. Um, we did the shows in separate houses. Yep. Um, it wasn't easy, uh, but we came up with some great features along the way, didn't we? I think so. I think the uh, the main thing at the start of it all, I think, was to try and uh, just lift people's spirits a little bit. And I'm, I think I'd like to think we managed to do that. There were some good old sing songs along the way. We did the Bond films as well, didn't we? And there was some great sporting guests that we had on, and non-sporting guests that we had. And I'd probably say I remember Sir Nick Faldo being on. That was probably my favourite one. It was talking about his dog in the kitchen. Mm. Um, that. <laughs> was good my favorite actual interview um was peter smichael oh yeah he was great oh, wasn't it it's the emotion and passion talking about playing uh, for his country uh, talking about playing for manchester united uh, uh, as well and 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 regrets the way it ended really i could have possibly had played on for many many years had i cut, cut back a little bit on the pride i've had you know spoken to the manager about it but I didn't. It, I was too proud of, of, you know, my position. And and that's something you realize when you get into your middle 50s that, you know, you look back and you think, young man said, you probably should have. And, and I didn't. And it's 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 not it's not a regret as such, but it is a regret. And I hope that makes sense. Uh, you look back and think that I mean. I love the football club so much. Why would I want to leave? But I was I was worn out at the time, and 
I don't think I had a clear head to uh, to make make a, a decision like that. It was such a such an honest and good interview. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it could have gone on for three hours. That oh, interview was absolutely. wonderful. And let me remind you the, uh, the of the Daily Bond, the best film because we rated them down down ten, didn't we? Can you remember what we chose? I, can't I, I absolutely do. It was the very first one we did. The the modern version of Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. We gave it. I think we gave it ten out of ten, didn't we? I yeah, think so. I think yeah. We both give it ten. Wonderful film. Anyway, uh, some good memories during difficult times and if you think about sporting memories because there has believe it or not been some sport in 2020 what was what was your highlight well besides getting football back because uh, that was such a, a a big thing at the time wasn't it i remember being on uh, uh, talking about it for the first time it was like wow it was so excited but i'm going to go down the golf route aid um, i really am for a couple of reasons um and it's the masters um it was a winter masters um and Everybody was not quite sure how it was going to work out. I thought the players thought it was always going to be easier. Uh, the greens, although they were remain quick, they weren't as quick as they normally are. So um, people expected with the rain around, the greens would be softer going into the greens, so you'd be putting and it would be a lot easier. And it turned out that way, uh, really, wasn't it? But watching the Masters aid and talking about it with no crowds, it was the weirdest thing ever wasn't it? I mean, it's such a great event, but with no fans. No, you're right. And that was a really weird part of it and a, a negative side to it. But the very fact that we, I think for most of the year, we thought the Masters at Augusta wouldn't happen. And then you get these four days of golf on this iconic golf course uh, and an amazing winner in the end as well. And I just thought, well, thank goodness they got it all together and they were allowed to put it on because it was great. Well, it was, um, and uh, the build-up was great. I, I, I talked to you about it because I was off um, that way. I watched every single part of that build-up, hours and hours and hours, from the Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday for, to the start on Thursday, and never switched it off. I was just glued uh, to the television watching the golf. All the build-up was about Bryson DeChambeau mm. uh, and using his longer driver, and he was going to drive... 10 of the holes out at 18, and it all turned out rubbish, didn't it? Um, it goes to show uh, in golf, uh, you can talk all you want and you can hit it as far as you want, but if you don't hit it straight, you're not going to win. And I think that's what makes Dustin Johnson um, so good. Um, he's got so many parts to his game. He's got the distance when he needs it, when it allows. He's got the golfing brain. Um, he plans his way around. And when it comes to putting, he's quite a quick player, but when it comes to putting... He takes his time. And with his brother on the back, for me, that just made it extra special. Because going into this tournament, everybody thought he had a great chance. He'd blown quite a few leads at um, majors uh, before. But going in, his form was two wins, three runners-up in his previous six starts before the Masters. So... Pretty good going, isn't it? You've got to be confident going in. Yeah, he uh, peaked at the right time. 20 under par, won it by five. Worthy winner and just great to to see Augusta again. Very quickly on the cricket before I get to my highlight. I think at the start of lockdown, we were thinking there wasn't going to be any cricket whatsoever. Mm. And they actually got a lot of cricket in in the end. Well, I was convinced uh, we weren't going to get any. Um, I really was. I I just thought, how how can it be? And if it wasn't for uh, the kind act from West Indies and Pakistan... Uh, coming over. Yes, England played for all their travel and uh, security and testing. The testing alone for the summer, do you know what it costs? £1 million wow. for testing. 
But to live in that bubble life, which they had to do, the West Indies first to come over, at such a dangerous time and nobody knew where we was going with this. They came over, successful series for England, successful against Pakistan. And like I say, it would have been a loss of probably about, oh, I mean, 300 million, 400 million from the ECB if none of those games would have gone on. They ended up losing about 100 million. So all I can do is thank the West Indies and thank the Pakistan cricket boards for sending their teams over to England for them to complete a full schedule. Yeah, it was that was good. It was good to watch. My um, sporting highlight, a little bit bittersweet because it was my first game back after lockdown when the Premier League uh, restarted, Project Restart, and it was at the Amex. And, of course, it's an Arsenal defeat, which uh, <laughs> made it even better. But uh, it had to be, didn't it? Um, Brighton beat Arsenal uh, 2-1. And the reason, it's not because it's an Arsenal defeat that was the reason, it's because... Deep into injury time at one all, Neil Mopay scored. It's a superb goal, by the way, really well fashioned by Brighton. It's one of the the goals that makes you realise why they appointed uh, Potter. They probably don't do it enough, but it was a terrifically worked goal. Great finish from him as well. And when he scored it, it's such a great goal. You think, oh, they've won the game because it's 95th minute. And you're expecting an eruption. And of course, there was nobody in there. Mm -hmm. It was an empty stadium. So there's a few shouts from the bench and the, and the players go a bit crazy but it was such a weird atmosphere early ball up to the edge of the area Conley flicks it on Mopay's in Mopay wins it for Brighton what a brilliantly worked goal from the Seagulls McAllister and Connolly and then Mopay combined superbly inside the box Arsenal are beaten Brighton are going to do the double over the Gunners for the first time in their history and it's their top scorer that's won it right at the death Neil Mopai. I think that any football is better than no football at all but football with fans obviously is better but that moment in itself it kind of summed up 2020 and that yes football is still very much alive football is still brilliant and can capture those incredible moments but you really need the fans back there I was going to ask you that because, I mean, I never went to a game with no fans in, um, mm. Aid. Obviously, I've been to a game with a few fans in. Yeah. Went to watch Bishop Stortford, didn't we? Went together. But what was it like when you went in that first time football was back and you was working? You were obviously excited. There's yeah. no doubt about it whatsoever. I, I remember being on there with you. So what was it actually like to, to go and see a game as a work, somebody who was working? Yep. With no fans. Well, it was very, very strange because so many protocols were in place. You could only walk in this particular section. You had to avoid certain sections because that's only where the players can go and they couldn't be at risk because they'd been tested and, and we possibly hadn't. You had temperature checks going on. Brighton and all of the clubs actually have been brilliant on it. They've organised it so well. Um, so it was really impressive, but it just was very strange because you're all spaced out in, in the media area and that was enlarged to accommodate everybody. You're very close to the dugouts as well. And in that particular game at Brighton, Mesut Ozil was a sub. It wasn't the game where he had an umbrella. <laughs> was that the last time he was seen? Uh, no, the umbrella at Southampton was the last time. But oh, he, right. was, he was about three rows in front of us and Arsenal were one all. And you think they need a little bit of magic. And we were all wondering why Arteta hadn't brought him on. And we were saying it. But because there were no fans, it was pretty obvious that he could hear every single word that was being said in the commentary and afterwards as well. So it was a very, very surreal situation. Um, but it was just great. It was great to be back. I was very excited. But I have to say, having watched football with fans and without fans, there's, a, there's only one winner there. It's got to be with the fans. But I think everybody for the and this is actually highlighted to me just how important sport is, how important football is 
for the for the health and soul of the nation, mm. the mental health of the nation, because you can you kind of run your diary by it, by it a little bit. Oh, we got them away in a couple of weeks. Oh, we got a midweek game then. That 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 could be a crucial game. You, you're kind of planning your life around it if you're a massive football fan. So without that, there was kind of nothing really to hold on to or plan your life by, and people lost their way a little bit. So I think that was why we were really calling for football to come back. People were desperate for it to come back. So uh, in the end, we got it back. And it was a dramatic moment in that uh, Brighton game. So, uh, yeah, that was my kind of highlight, but a kind of bittersweet highlight uh, as well. Overall, not been a great uh, 2020 generally. Let's hope 2021 is better. Well, let's hope so. Towards the end of uh, this year, we've obviously had fans back in. Um, and I've still not been to a game yet. I've not been lucky enough. But again, you've been to a game now with fans in. Yep. So you've noticed the difference straight away. Well, I have. But the first one I went to with fans in on a Saturday was that Millwall game where oh, yes. they Sorry, played yeah. Derby. Oh, no, listen, it was it just it was had everything, really, because there was such a great build-up. They sang the Millwall anthem. The fans being back was so joyous. Mm. And then they booed the taking of the knee and all. Yeah, it, listen, it erupted after that. It was an incredible news story. But so it was kind of great, and then it wasn't so great. But, but me and you have joked about something separate to that, where we talked about with crowds going back in though, aid. What I've found funny is, but already managers have turned round after the one game and started blaming the fans for getting on the players' back. So as soon, <laughs> they all want fans back, but as soon as they come back, they're moaning about the fans being back. I do I do know a couple of footballers, though, who have said they just can't perform at the same level with no fans in the ground. Mm. So they are desperate to have uh, fans back. And a lot of footballers were desperate to have football back way back in the summer yeah. as well. They were completely lost uh, without it. So uh, let's just hope next year is a whole lot better, Darren. Let's hope so. Looking back on a year like no other. Can you believe it? 2020, the verdict on Talk Sport. To the verdict 2020 on Talks, but with me, Natalie Sawyer, co host of the Weekend Sports Breakfast, which you can hear every Saturday and Sunday morning. Now it's about time we hear from the two Darrens of Bent and Ambrose as they had their say on this very unique year of sport. 2020 has been a crazy year of sport. Um, we know sporting itself stopped for a while for, due to the pandemic, but it's still been a, a couple of great moments this year. Uh, mine, definitely, my kind of movement in sport for 2020 was the Black Lives Matter movement which I will get on to a bit later on I'm going to let Mr Ambrose go first what is yours for 2020? Like you said so many um, things have happened in 2020 but mine it's kind of it's sport related but it, it's it's outside of sport as well so my mine is uh, obviously the Marcus Rashford campaign to end um, child food poverty um, I was I was honoured to be involved in the, in the talk sport takeover um, where where a lot of us were involved, I went to the Ipswich depot, and it was a real eye opener. To be honest, you it was. Said that um, to me, yeah. We've obviously all got we've got young kids ourselves, Daz, and um, to 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 see what they're doing there. I mean, I think they said four point two million children are living in poverty, and um, they they shouldn't go hungry ever. Do you, do you know what's scary about that? You just said that that stat there is that because obviously, as you said, we've both got young kids, but we, we don't see it. it's not in our faces. Yeah. It's hard to believe when you hear that stat of four point two million you just said yeah. you, you know what that I, goes on I was talking about this when I was there you 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 do know about it you know it's there but you kind of put it to the back of your mind because it's not happening to you personally yeah and of course we'd never want to see our kids go hungry you know uh, I'm sure your parents my parents struggled when they were when they were young but we never 
so they 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 always put food on the table for us but your kids go to school and you know the kind of ones that they come home and you know the the families that are struggling yeah. and it it does hurt i mean it shouldn't be up for debate kids shouldn't go hungry yeah, of course. and for him to um to get the government u turn in july i think it was um what did he do? He battled to ensure free school meals during the school holidays. Yeah. I mean, he's awarded MBE for it. I know you've spoken, maybe he should be awarded a higher accolade. Of course, knighthood for me. I mean, it's just fantastic what he's done. I mean, he's recently launched a book club as well to help help children yeah, as well. So that, yeah. what he's been doing is, has been fantastic. And after all that, if he weren't putting it on, on the pitch, he would still probably be getting abuse. Yeah. And... It hasn't affected him. I mean, he's still got seven goals and three assists in the 13 games he's played so far, including the, yeah. the famous hat-tricking at Leipzig. So that is that is up there. That, that, that's that got to be up there as, as my favourite of, of 2020. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Rashford, what he's done for the kids. Um, and what, what I like about what he's also done as well is that even when he's, he's played really well, like you, t- you take, for instance, the hat-trick that he said he scored against Leipzig, if you look at his social media post afterwards, it was kind of like... Yeah, brilliant. I'm so glad that I've got the hat trick. But anyway, on to bigger matters. Back to the kids. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think that kind of shows it because you know, in them type of situations, a lot of people would have been me, me, me because yeah. I've just got a hat trick. I've just played superbly well. But the fact that he's kind of that's kind of mineralised the, the hat trick and gone, well, yeah, I've got a hat trick. But it's not about that now. Mm. Let's get back to these kids feeding the kids. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, you're right. It is a a, a massive moment. Yeah. In, in 2020. And, I mean, being there with Fair Share, it showed how much he's helped them because they've they've been around for for 26 years. I think they wow, said. Okay. Um, trying to fight this is cause and not just child food poverty but every every poverty going they're, they're trying to affect it but uh, he he has brought it to forefront and he's such a a vocal guy now over social media mm. he's so high profile and for me personally I don't know what you think I, I'm hoping more high profile people because he's kind of embarrassed a few people that of course yeah and not so much embarrassed because no one has really known to do this but he's kind of used his voice now well, do you know what it is uh, you, you're right in what you're saying but I also think as well is that probably people have tried to use their, their platforms before but I think he's not let it go he's been quite mm. relentless with it because you know he got knocked back a couple of times didn't he by the government by yeah. saying no now a lot of people would have gone oh, you know what they've said no I'll leave it he didn't stop he kept going and going and going yeah. and I think that's probably why he's got to th- this stage because yep. a lot of people would have given up and gone Listen, I can't win the government's telling me no what am I supposed to do yeah. but he, he's not taking that to be fair because so many people signed the petition and got on board he kind of managed to knock down these walls to the point where the government have to do it yeah I mean his petition is only the fifth in history to pass one million it's signatures you know like I said it's no debate children shouldn't go hungry in this country and he's used his, his platform and his voice to to, to help that and he's going to continue to do it and others are definitely going to jump on board so he's been the, the catalyst for it all yeah I agree well mine's obviously the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, obviously it started well it's been going for a long long time you can go back to to the Olympics um, Tommy Smith's 1968 when uh, they, they won their events and they, they stuck their fists up in the air you can go back as far as that but obviously it kind of all came together when the death of George Floyd in, in 2020, 25th of May, um, when he was obviously killed unarmed by by the police. Um, but it was that, the way the whole world kind of stood up and, and came together um, in regards to the protests. Um, people wanted to boycott the sport. Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, they when Jacob Blake was the next one to die, I mean, we know there's been a few, but when that was another high-profile one, 
when the Milwaukee Bucks called off their game against Orlando, even though they were in the playoffs of the basketball, they called it off because of, of what happened in protest. It was like the whole the whole world came together. And I mean, even in the Premier League, everyone taking a knee. That very first game, I think it was after lockdown, uh, was Aston Villa versus um, Sheffield United. Mm. When it was like, whoa, they, they, they took the knee and everyone was like, okay, we'll it's come together. Of, you didn't know it was going to happen. You didn't know it was going to happen. And they all done it and it was, wow, what's happened here? And yeah. It was. It was. I mean, it was. It was a real eye open. It was absolutely yeah. superb. I mean, but you, you're going back again to the 2016 when Colin Kaepernick he kneeled because he was he was protesting pr- police brutality. He was a star quarterback um, playing at the 49ers. Hasn't to this day got a job because of obviously getting kicked out of the league. Well, not even kicked out of the league. To be fair, just no one wanted to touch him. Mm. But now all of a sudden, them them situations that he was talking about back then have now come to light. Now everyone wants to be a part of him, bringing him into their organisations, wanting to be part of the NFL. And obviously, he said no because he, he's seen this coming. So I think for me, the whole 2020 Black uh, Lives Matter movement has been massive and hopefully going forward I hope it just doesn't stop I know the Premier League have got now on their shirts um, I think it's no room for racism I think mm. is, the, is, the, is, the, is the, the phrase but as long as it doesn't stop then we keep going um, then it will all be for nothing so I think that it's been superb um, that's definitely been my biggest sporting moment is the Black Lives Matter movement but as I said there could have been a number we could have chosen mm. but to me that was the most important But do you I, think what, what the Premier League and, and all football clubs are doing now will make a change because there's there's been there's been movements, not not so much, not so high profile as this, but the kick it out campaign and stuff, yeah. and that's been going a long, long time. A long do you time. Think, do you think finally, finally, something's gonna gonna change? I hope so, because you're right. Um, I mean, I used to wear the the, the kick it out sweatbands way back in the day. Mm. So, and you, you talk about it's only seems to be now it's getting real traction. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's been going for ages and ages without actually getting anywhere. But the fact that all of a sudden now we get protests, it's on the shirts, it's part of all the adverts on Sky. There's, there's always different things. But I think it was just one of them situations where the whole world um, kind of came together, not just black people as well, black, white, all different ethnicities came together mm. and are trying to beat this movement. Now, I don't think you can eradicate it fully. But I think we've taken one giant step in the mm. right direction. So for me, it's such a powerful organisation that I hope continues. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I got asked this, I did a column the other week and they asked me about this Black Lives Matter movement. And and I said, I, I took it back. You'll remember a game we played for England 21s in mm. Turkey and we turned up, we went to look out on the pitch and it was already full and the abuse you and yeah. the other black players were receiving yeah. was disgusting. And for me to be like best friends with you growing up yeah. it, it hurt me just as much as it, would, it wouldn't be just as much of course not but it hurt me a lot that day and to see it still going on I'm I'm praying that the the again we talk with platforms the platforms players have got now it's it's coming to the forefront and yeah, I'm social praying media, it? it changes and I mean it's down to people like myself who who is a, a middle aged white guy to, mm. to educate my children and hopefully everyone else is doing that yeah and we can see a, an end to this, which has been a long time due. Yeah, I tell you, I, I forgot about that game as well in Turkey. I completely forgot. I always go back to the game in Lithuania, but yeah, you're right. I do remember it now. See, it show, that that shows me that it's happened to to yourself and other black players so many times. You're kind of numb to it. Yeah, and that that stood out in my mind. So for me to remember that now shows how bad that must have been, and it kind of it didn't affect any of you guys. But I feel now, if we was doing that now in the game. I don't think we would have played. Yeah, I think we'd yeah, have gone right. into the dressing room and we'd have said no way, but it didn't happen back then. And yeah. I think now the next stage after the Black Lives Matter movement, I think is people are going to boycott games. And if it comes to that, I'm 100% back in it.
So that's Darren Bent's Boot Room, the fantastic new show you can hear every Sunday evening right here on TalkSport. And from the new boys to a legend of the station, let's check in on Mark Saggers, who's never shy when it comes to having his say on football or on any sport or anything, in fact. A year of concern, a year like no other, when sporting bubbles meant shutting the door in the fans' face rather than a West Ham's entrance at a London Stadium home Premier League game. Where testing performance meant throat and nose swabs and samples and not noisy saviours. By spring, world sport had all but shut down. Football unfinished, cricket diminished, grassroots rotting. No touch, no feel, no excitement. No when Saturday and game day exclusive comes. A hole in the nation's sporting hearts like no other. We still got to sing. Every Thursday, and not at the Europa League, we applauded and saluted our heroes. But this time, just for keeping our loved ones alive. Working up front, with no full-time whistle in sight. The NHS, one of the teams of the year. The word performance was swapped for pandemic. We would find a way, a way for football just to survive its already spent-the-money culture with nothing left for this rainy day. Sporting cold turkey this summer was not a pleasant experience. Liverpool Football Club and Klopp, and the Cop, they'd been left in their own Premier League purgatory. All but crowned Premier League champions. And yet what if? What if we can't finish the season? What if we can't complete the fixtures? What if we can't lift the title for the first time ever in the Premier League? Liverpool knew that 19 other clubs and their fans would quite happily leave them to walk alone to nowhere man. We turned it around altogether. The sport, the media, the paying public, the fans who would all leave terraces for armchairs or a long drive home with the radio on. The equivalent of canned laughter to make up for no fans at games. I still prefer the real noise, not the players squealing, the managers squawking and the VAR silencing. And all just in time for Christmas and a vaccine where the captain's armband goes. We were back, the dedicated few at first, but hopefully more fans as Pfizer and their like do their stuff. A wasteland in early spring that started with pleas of an injection of cash, now turned to new green shoots with a needle full of a defensive wall like no other. My two teams of the year, the NHS and Liverpool Football Club, who were incredible and winners of the Premier League. And then there's Marcus Rashford, and he is my sporting individual of this or any recent years for feeding the tummies of our next sporting generation where the government and the others wouldn't. That's sometimes all you can do. Take it, feel it, pass it on. Not for me, not for you, but for someone, somewhere, one day. Pass it on, boys. Looking back on a year like no other. Can you believe it? 2020, the verdict on Talk Sport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. 2020, the verdict on Talk Sport. This is the verdict 2020 on Talk Sport, and I'm Natalie Sawyer. 2020 has been a huge year for sport and talk sports breakfast show as Laura Woods began to share the load with Alan Brazil by taking the hot seat every Monday to Wednesday. And we can hear from Laura and Super Ali McCoy right now as they gave us their take on sport in 2020. So it's been a very strange and tough year for everybody up and down the country and indeed all around the world. We've been in lockdown for many months of 2020 and for a few of those, we even lost our sport. As hosts of a show on a sports radio station that, believe it or not, threw up just a few challenges. So despite all of what's happened, still has been a really fantastic year for TalkSport, a brilliant one for us on the TalkSport Breakfast Show as well. A year that, Ali, I'm sure you would agree, we've managed to enjoy thoroughly. We have. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Laura. The one thing you and I have done, we have thoroughly enjoyed our sport and our radio. But I've got to ask you a question. I'm looking back and I'm scratching my head. You can't see me, but believe me, I am. How did we get through that non-sport period and talk sport? I think you summed it up perfectly. We made quizzes about quizzes. (laughs) We did, actually. In fact, one of the quiz questions was... And what year did the first quiz question start? I'm sure it was something along those lines. We, we, we effectively were, you know, flying in the seat of our pants. But we, we really did get were. through it. We but managed what, to get through it. I think I can speak for both of us and say how happy we are. We now have sport back and now it looks as though fans are going to go back into stadiums, which yeah. is just magic. I'm looking back at the year and, and what's happened and some of the great standout moments wow. for for a year where we didn't, like we say, have sport for some of it. There was yeah. Hamilton tied Schumacher's seven world title wins. That phenomenal massive, achievement. Absolutely phenomenal achievement. In a, in, a, in, a, in a year that has brought us so many classic sporting moments, that would be up there. Definitely. What about Liverpool winning the Premier yeah. League after a 30-year oh, wait yeah. for a title? Yeah, but even the way they did it as well, Laura, I mean, I, I mean, fantastic. 30 years was an incredibly long time to wait for a club like Liverpool. Mm. But I thought they, did, they didn't have to do it in style. Know. You know, Jurgen Klopp's boys, they, they played 
everybody, you know, off the park and just scored goals defensively. They were sound. I just thought, you know, all in all, it was an incredible performance over the season for Liverpool. And thoroughly deserved. Leeds, Leeds love as it. well. And Marcelo Bielsa, master we love him, don't promoted. we? We do. We do. Why is that a soft spot? Because we've got a soft spot because there's just a little bit of mystique about him. <laughs> and I think the fact, I think the fact, all these players love him kind of draws them, draws us to them even more. You know, and I think obviously the story with Leeds being out the top flight, you know, for, I, I, oh dear me, I can remember playing Leeds, you know, when they, when they were champions in, in, in the European Cup. And that, does, that seems like yesterday, but, you know, out the league for 16 years and haven't, yeah, there have been a breath of fresh air, I've got to say, winning promotion were excellent, but even back in the top flight, they've just been magic to watch. Absolutely. Um, Honourable mentions as well, Stuart Broad gets his 500th wicket as well. He's magic. also on the shortlist for Sports Personality of the Year. My competition is going to be fierce. I mean, yeah. Brody, 500th wicket. Him and Jimmy Anderson have just been stalwarts of that England test side for years and years and years. Uh, and there is a new, obviously, new blood coming through. But in many ways, Brody and, 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 and Jimmy will be irreplaceable. But to get 500 wicket, it was fantastic. And it was a lovely moment. I think you remember, I think he's, I think his dad, I'm right in saying yeah. his dad might have been one of the referees Ref. upstairs. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, yeah, I, I would just I can, you know, give it a no ball just to wind up. <laughs> The, the the family dinner might have been interesting at Christmas, you know. Maybe that's just me being mischief making. But might be the, you, yeah. <laughs> certainly, what an achievement! Uh, you basically for a whole weekend as well were um, more stuck to your sofa than you have been throughout lockdown, um, because Dustin Johnson's record-breaking Masters win was wow. pretty special as well, wasn't it? Twenty under. It was it was a phenomenal achievement. I remember speaking to Rupert about it at great length. Would you? I mean. It was one of these performances. Nowadays, when you watch the golf, you think, ah, there's maybe seven or eight or nine or ten of them that you know, could win it. But from the moment that Dustin Johnson got in front, you just had a feeling, you know, he was playing like the number one uh, place player in the world, and there was just no chance of him to catching him. And it was a really dominant and absolutely terrific performance. Mm, absolutely. Okay, we are going to move on to our. Favourite moments individually, yeah. Um, because we just listed some of the biggest things that happen in the world of sport. Um, but we have our own ones on Talk Sport Breakfast. So, Ali, yeah. you're going to go first. Um, what's your top pick? I'm hoping the Talk Sport listeners will let me have a little bit of self-indulgence here in Scotland's qualification for the Euros for Euro 2020. There's no surprise there. I knew you'd, uh, you'd a fair idea. I was yeah. going to pick that. But for us not to qualify for a major championship for the best part of 22 years. You know there was a, you know there was a, there was a feeling amongst the, the the national team where I wouldn't say that people were disinterested, but I definitely think the fans had lost their passion a little bit, you know, and just because the results weren't going away, and all of a sudden these lads have brought it back and some with that result in in, in Serbia. Mitrovic to keep Serbia alive in the penalties. This could be Scotland's big moment. Mitrovic right for it. Save! David Marshall has done it! And Scotland are heading to the European Championships! The Tartan Army finally mobilised once again and they will head to Wembley to face England. Scotland have done it remarkably. 5-4 on penalties. David Marshall is engulfed. Alexandru Mitrovic, the player denied, and after 22 years of hurt, Scotland are finally going to a European Championships, a major tournament once again. And not even that, Laura, I just thought the way they performed in that game, and then to come to go and lead, come back, lose a goal, and then come back again, 
and won it in penalties away from home in Serbia. The whole thing was was an absolute fairy tale, and the quality of penalties. Oh man, it was just it was absolutely magic. And I, and, I, and I've gone on record as saying I stand by. It. I'm delighted for the fans, delighted for everybody, supporters. But I'm more pleased for those players. I'm more pleased for the lads, would you? Because having been fortunate enough to play at Euros and World Cups for Scotland, I know what it's like. And it's something as a player and as a person you'll never forget. Yeah. And I'm so pleased these guys have got an opportunity to sample it. Well said, Ali. It makes Euro 2020 or slash sort of Euro 2021 now, I think. Yeah. Um, even more exciting for the, for the English fans as well, I think, being in the same group. Um, my one is um, Marcus Rashford obviously has had an incredible yeah. year. What he's done and uh, the initiative that he's taken and the steps that he's made um, to reverse government decisions um, to try and support families who, who use free school meals um, to really basically help their families who are yep. struggling with hunger. Um, he's put his full support behind it and it's been something that I think has been very unexpected and so welcomed um, yep. he's become quite a hero of the nation um, so we spent a day actually our fair share day do you remember it? So we are live from the fair share warehouse we are in Deptford TalkSport are supporting Marcus Rashford's End Child Poverty campaign Hello everyone Declan Rice here West Ham United stands firmly behind Marcus Rashford's campaign Making an impact as a privileged footballer now for those who are not as privileged is something I think we, we, we should all try to aspire to. Oh, it's been quite an incredible campaign that he's launched there and using his profile for a fantastic cause. For us, we want to bring people together in this time of, uh, of need, really, with the pandemic that's happening. Sometimes you've got to take a step back or reflect. You know, you do have people who are struggling. Marcus Rashford in particular in this, in this year has been absolutely incredible. Keeping pressure on people to try and do the right things and understanding what matters. Oh, I think he's brought Manchester together. It's united across the city of Manchester at the moment with this charity and with this campaign. Hi everyone, it's Marcus Rashford. Just wanted to give a big shout out to TalkSport for highlighting the vital work that is taking place across the UK to support our most vulnerable children. It's so important that the child food poverty conversation remains at the forefront of our thinking uh, to support education and understanding. We all play a role in this and just listening could be could be your role that you that you play. So, a big thanks to to Talksport and stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Oh, it was brilliant. Oh, it, was, it was so good. Yeah. yeah, the warehouse in Deptford, and for me, like it was just one of those moments. I think really because we've been in lockdown to go down physically meet people um, to see the work that they were doing yeah. and, and, and how much that work is making a difference for people. Um, it really it, it was really touching for me actually. I found yeah. it quite emotional. Um, we spoke to a lot of people, even the the factory workers as well that were there that day, the drivers, um, the, the, the volunteers, everyone that just goes and gives their time, you know, they're off their own back without being paid um, to help people. I just thought it was brilliant to try and um, help put some sort of support behind it um, and to raise awareness was, was really special, I think, to be involved in. Would you? It was fantastic. I've got to say, I mean, the, the young man deserves a medal. He's just... You know, in this day and age where a lot of young ones get criticised for this, that and the next thing, social media, you know, some of it justified, but a lot of it not. For for Marcus Rashford to come out and, and, and do what he's doing and just grab the nation's attention through a really difficult time and give it some real positivity. Mm. It's been nothing but fantastic. And then obviously... I said the work that he's doing, but I, I love the fact that the new warehouse in Manchester is named after his mum, Melanie. I know, you know, isn't that it's special? not called Marcus. You know, and it's not. It's, it's actually a warehouse called Melanie, mm. you know, and that's something about it. But it just sums up. It just 
I don't know. Do you know something? I've never met him, but he's one of these guys. You, you can tell he's just a good sort, and uh, the work, as as I say, that he that he has done and is continuing to do is fantastic absolutely so all in all even though it's been a challenging year there are still so many positives to take from it and I get to work with you as well Ali it's magic and I've loved it I've absolutely loved it I don't I, I, I put my cards on the table I could do without the non-sport shows because <laughs> I think talk sport is, is, is far better with the sport I don't know whether you'd agree with that I agree with you fingers <laughs> crossed that we don't have to do without it again Ali McCoy it's been a pleasure magic Laura see you soon see you soon Welcome back to The Verdict 2020 here on TalkSport. I'm Natalie Sawyer. Now, I really hope you didn't get any coal on Christmas Day this year. But speaking of coal, here's Andy and the boys from the Sunday session as he joined Sam Matterface and Perry Groves to tell us their highlights from this year. My favourite uh, sporting moment of the year um, was getting back to work properly, right? So I don't know about you, but when I was in lockdown, Perry and I obviously worked together every every weekend anyway, but we were desperate to get back playing football again. And that feeling of going into a stadium and doing the first match, I did Manchester City versus Arsenal. And I think the first goal I commentated on was a Raheem Sterling goal because I just happened to catch it at that moment. They threw to me and moved the reports and blah, blah, blah. And it was just a feeling of that, like being in the stadium again. Here's Sterling into the penalty area, drop for him inside the six-yard box and he lashes it home from four yards out and we have our first goal of the Premier League's resumption. But actually to do a commentary, which was on the Saturday, um, the Watford against Leicester game, it was a really important match and we had two really late goals. Ben Chilwell's goal was absolutely fantastic. He hit it from the edge of the penalty area, a volley which nearly ripped the net out and the feeling of just being at a live football match, commentating for the masses when a goal like that goes in, to me, was, was brilliant. I also felt like a bit of a responsibility because there was no one there and I've, I've never really done that before. Also as well, is it That's something... That's what I say, who are you responsible for? <laughs> <laughs> responsible for conveying it properly. <laughs> but also, something that you probably used to take for granted, which yeah. was your job, and <clears throat> commentating on goals and, you know, sort of incidents, then you actually think... This is, but I'm pretty lucky. This is pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's just back such a to, trying to get back to, to something do, yeah. normal. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. What made you smile uh, this year in terms of sporting achievement? Me, uh, me joining Talksport. Really? Yeah. Is that a sense of irony, or? But is that because you just laugh at me and Perry yeah. every week? No, I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, um, I laugh and smile a hell of a lot more now than I used to. I think, obviously, what's gone in my life over the last five years. To come on in and get on board has been really good. It's been really, really enjoyable. So every Sunday, I, I look forward to coming in and have a, a real a laugh. laugh. Yeah, yeah, for four hours. You know, obviously talking about football in general and whatever, but just enjoying everyone's company. Yeah, looking at me and Perry and thinking, see, things could be worse. It could be one of those. <laughs> exactly, <two>. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit unedifying, Coley, to take other people's misfortune <laughs> and make you feel better. Do you know what I mean? That's not a great human yeah, trait, I know that. I, I, a lot of people will sit there and go, you know, that's not a sporting thing to look back on. But actually, for, for you're a sportsman. You're someone whose life has changed because you mm. can't do the things that you used to be able to do because of your illness. And, yeah, it, it must be... I know that we spoke during lockdown a bit and you yeah. and you were on your own for such a long time so to be with people I, I suppose in a sense and be part of this 
organisation fills you with some sort of satisfaction. And yeah, well, of course it does. Like I said, for, for me personally, you know, when you do come away from your sporting career, whatever career it is, you know, to restart again and starting to define yourself in whatever way you want to try and do that. I mean, uh, like you said, the you sat indoors for 14 weeks you know you have loads of things that go through your mind head spinning you yeah. know, cogs in your mind thinking about exactly. stuff that you think what am I thinking about that for there you go yeah little things become big things huge yeah. They? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it's, 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 it's been a good real good experience you know like I said I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it you enjoyed the structure I mean not saying people listening would think we have any structure to be honest <laughs> but, but, but even thinking if there's games on Fridays games on Saturdays Saturday afternoons like Saturday night match of the day games on the Sunday it does give you I'm talking about personally it gives you a structure doesn't it it gives you like something that you set out you know what you've got to do yeah because you, you're preparing basically we prepare as soon as we leave the show on a Sunday yeah you know so straight away football's from Tuesday well Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday you know so it's only really Friday we can actually kick back but then you're saying that there's football again on Friday so it's all week so you always try to digest things and then like you say, on, on the group chat as well, listening to all the banter on the group chat and what we're looking forward to on the Sunday, I, I think that's been really good. And what was your favourite sporting moment of 2020 then, Well, Perry? something that made me smile yeah. in my bones, August the 1st, FA Cup final. Last uh, week, Chelsea. This time, Aubameyang lifts the cup for Arsenal. Record-breaking Arsenal. 14 FA Cup titles. Over 90 years. I, I don't care that. what anybody says, right? I'm old school. If you, that, if, that, you, if you grind your way to a Jose Mourinho-style win, yeah, go on. Don't care. Trophy, honestly, <laughs> it turned our season from being poor, to be fair, yeah. into a good season. It would, win, it would have been different, though, if Pulisic hadn't snapped his hamstring, right? But going 1-0 down and then showing a bit of spirit coming back and everything did go in our favour, let's be fair, but Aubameyang scoring a obviously fantastic Was that the goal. last time he scored a goal? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The one thing about the uh, winning the FA Cup, obviously, is it's just helped Arsenal kick on and go to the next level this season, hasn't it? Well, um, we've, we've plateaued just a tad, because <laughs> we say. But again, uh, Arsenal won the most FA Cups ever. And Coley will tell you, it's all, I'd rather win the FA Cup than come second in the Premier League. And that's old school. I know because the new fans will say about uh, going in Champions League and you get better players, you might get more money. Mm-hmm. I've always of the opinion that your club's history is defined by the trophies that you win yeah. and the memories. And, and it used to be a different memory because no one's there, but Arsenal fans will be together as families. You remember my two boys are massive gooners. I remember lucky enough to go into the whole cup final with a 2-0 down. You have, and football's all about emotions and memories. Yeah. That's it. I don't think you get that emotion memories when you come second, third or fourth. No, not, not any. You know not, what I mean? So, and members your, losers. Exactly. And beating your mob what makes it even funnier. So that is uh, a memory because then it does, you know when people say, oh fans, you're getting carried away. Like, doesn't matter what team you support, you're allowed to get carried away. You know when your team's doing well because there's enough times when your team are particularly bad and enough downtime to the fan. If, you know, if you can't get carried away and have those emotions, go, take we're back, we've got our Arsenal battle. What's then, the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. two weeks later you go, yeah, right, so um, <laughs> probably not as good as what we thought we were. But why not have that hope? That's what yeah. football's all about. Yeah, it's all about. That's what it is. So that's the Sunday session with Sam Matterface, Andy Cole and Perry Groves, which you can hear every weekend from 1pm right here on TalkSport. Sadly, 
We are approaching the end of the show. But as we know here on TalkSport, there's no better way to end the day than with the sports bar. So let's step in and hear from Andy Goldstein and Jason Cundy. So, Jay, the game we've chosen was the first game back, the return mm. of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. We've actually chosen a nil-nil draw. Aston Villa nil, Sheffield United nil. It's more of the significance of the game as opposed to the the result. Even though there was some controversy, of course, in the game that Sheffield United did actually score a perfectly good goal. Yeah. That goal line technology um, wasn't switched on. The cameras, there was some weird excuse. It was strange. Now Michael Oliver blows the whistle. Football is back. That's the end of the first Premier League game since the restart. There's no goals at the end of it. Nyland dropped the ball. He caught it at the second attempt, actually. He fell into the side netting. The ball was over the line. And quite clearly, the goal line technology was out of order. I'm sick of this. These referees, honestly, just Michael Oliver, just use your brains. The technology is messed up. Use your brains. Go and have a look and you'll see it's a goal. It's ridiculous, honestly. How can, how can they have spoiled? I mean, how can they have spoiled the return to football? Honestly. Deary, dearie me. And Aston Villa stayed up by virtue of, of, the, of the point they got. If they'd not got that, they'd have gone down. Which is oh, remarkable. Which is remarkable. remarkable yeah. But you don't have the game we've gone out. So can you remember how you were feeling... Leading up to that day, oh. because when I, when I saw the games, I was like, Aston Villa, Sheffield United. Usually I go, mm, but I, I remember thinking, I don't care. Couldn't, uh, it makes no difference to me. Well, you and I were on the back of this game straight up, and Manchester City, three Arsenal nil. They were the two games that were left over from the previous, they were the ones that had to catch up. Mm. Um, it was on a Wednesday afternoon stroke evening, six o'clock as we said, and you and I, we, we just couldn't wait. And, and it was a momentous day, because we didn't think at one stage that we would see... We didn't know when we were going to see football again. No. I can feel myself getting a little bit cold now, actually, just talking about this. That's because of the temperature in here. Yeah, te- temperature. <laughs> Do we turn it up? Yeah, turn it up cold. But I can feel that excitement and the and you know the sport that we all love, we we thought would be put on hold forever. Mm. We didn't know. Because at that time, don't forget, this is the middle of June and the pandemic, we were only out of lockdown not not that long. No. And you and I were still working from home. You know what I thought was bizarre as well? Because we're used to it now, there's no fans in there. Mm. That was the first game. We were like, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to look like? What's it going to sound like? Mm. And I remember like for the first five or ten minutes, because you had the option of watching it with or without sound. That's right. As in, you know, sound effects. And I remember going from one to the other thinking, I quite like the sound because it sounds like a practice game. You can hear what they're saying. Then after about two minutes, I was like, no, I don't like that. I remember calling my wife in, saying, have a listen to this. You can hear the players screaming and shouting. And of course, it was quite bizarre watching the game without any crowd in there. It was also one of those bizarre moments where you look at the managers and they all had the masks on yeah. and the people on the bench. I mean, I know they still do that now, but we haven't really seen professional people do that. Have it's we? Not, it feels normal now to see people yeah. social distancing on a bench. In yeah. the, in, in, or sometimes they sit you know, in the upper part uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the lower mm. part of the stand. And I'm guessing for quite a lot of people it was quite a significant moment because it was the first time since lockdown that all of a sudden you saw a tiny bit of light at the end of the tunnel where, OK, we're trying to get back to no- normality now. Yes. Um, I mean, 100 days it was, exactly 100 days from the last Premier League game. And we, you know, even now we're, we're still slowly but surely, we're still in the tunnel. But there's, there is, he yeah. does sense that there is something uh, not think, too far away. Do you think the players are used to it now? Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. How, think... how, how important, because I, I remember watching the game, I still watch it now. And when, uh, it's, it's weird because you do Chelsea TV, I yep. do Man United TV. Yep. And when, when you're there in the ground, it feels like, from, from the sounds you're hearing from the players, it feels like you're watching, you're actually there watching a Saturday morning game over the park. And the reason I say that, 
is because I didn't know that all defenders shout clear it yeah. or move or step. Yeah. You know yeah. the goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. hear all of that. Yeah. You can. Yeah. But but can you as you're as you're a player on the pitch and you've got fifty thousand people in there? Can you still hear all that on the pitch? Only if they're ten yards away. 50, oh, okay. You know, but but no. If you rarely you can't hear the manager. Man, no managers shout and scream and yeah. point. You can't, you can't hear them. Not with it, but they can now. It's no excuse now, is wow. there? There's no excuse yeah. whatsoever. But um, yeah, a momentous day, and it, you know, you and I were, were very much part of that. As I said, we we were uh, we were on the sports bar straight yeah. after those two games ended. And I will tell you what, Scott, I do remember because one of the things that I look back at now and think, you know, I did that's something I don't even I didn't even question was when you've got a game of football like Villa against Sheffield United or the one that we were on the back of straight after City beating Arsenal three yeah. 0 even more so the second one. You've got. 50,000, 60,000 people coming out of a ground. That's right. And they're all sat in their car waiting to move. No one can move for like 40 minutes or whatever. And then they've got TalkSpot on their radio in their car and then they phone up. Yeah. Well, we didn't have any of that. No, we didn't. Because no one's obviously... And it's still like that now. But we still... I remember we were inundated that night and we have been every other night. So we're, yeah. we're yeah. incredibly lucky that people still watch the game at home. Absolutely. And then take to the phone because... Um, it could have been a worrying thought that hold on a minute, where are all these yeah, people going? Yeah, yeah, our captive audience are no uh, are no longer leaving the grounds. But yeah, um, look, I'll never complain about you know an Aston Villa Sheffield United. It's not the most glamorous game in the world, but yeah. you know that was one of the most welcome sights I think that most football fans have ever seen. Hey.